Hey, everybody, it's Ryan Ripley. Wanted to get a new offering in front of you as soon as possible, evidence-based leadership. And so, as you all know, Todd Miller, myself, and Will Seeley, we're big on evidence-based management. We want to apply it to the leadership space. We all know that modern managers face complex challenges every day. You're juggling a lot of needs, your direct reports, your stakeholders, your customers, they all need constant attention. What we want to do is help you manage that. We want you to use information and data to make good decisions around all of these areas so that we're delivering the right thing at the right time for the right customer. And we know that we're doing that because we're using data and evidence to validate all the things that we're doing. And not only that, we're not just looking at value, but we're looking at our capabilities as an organization. Can we deliver on time? Can we innovate effectively? Do we have too much tech debt? Do we have too many things in process? Are we unable to deliver when the market demands that we do? We look at all of these things with evidence-based management. We merge that into a leadership uh, mindset and lens, and we enable you to make new and better decisions repeatedly based off of the data that you're collecting within your organization. It's exciting stuff. We hope you can join us. Visit agileforhumans.com forward slash EBL course. Join us in one of these offerings. We think you're going to love it. Hope you can join us. Use Agile for Humans, the number four to take another 15% off of this course. And uh, we can't wait to see you there. Hey, everybody, Ryan Ripley here. This is the second in a series of interviews that I conducted at the Path to Agility conference this year in Columbus, Ohio. This one's with Joanna Rothman. Joanna is a prolific author, blogger, uh, speaker, and a great mentor to many in the Agile community. I really enjoyed getting to see Joanna at the, the Patch Agility Conference. We had a great time talking, and I hope you enjoy this latest installment of these one-on-one -on -one episodes. If you have any comments about it, I'd love to hear them. Please feel free to tweet out or leave a comment on the blog site. would love to know what you think about these shorter-form episodes and whether or not you want to see more of them come out. So again, really appreciate all of you listening and being here. And without further ado, here's Joanna Rothman. Processes and tools dominate today's Agile discussions, but we are devoted to the individuals and interactions that make it work. From the beginner to the veteran practitioner, we have something for you. Welcome to Agile for Humans. All right, welcome to a special Agile for Humans. We're on location this week. We are at the Path to Agility Conference in Columbus, Ohio at The Ohio State University. Joining me today, Joanna Rothman. Joanna, how are you? I'm great, thanks, and it's so nice to be here and to see you in person. Exactly. We had a, a recent conversation, I'm sure the listeners will remember, over Skype, but now we get to sit across the table from each other and actually... Uh, interact like humans. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. nice. Which is a novel idea considering <laughs> your podcast name. Exactly. Exactly. So it is nice to see you. Uh, really happy that we were able to meet up at this conference. So what are you doing here? What are you talking about? What uh, What's the big message that you've brought to the Path to Agility conference? So the talk I'm doing tomorrow actually is about being becoming an agile leader regardless of your role. A lot of us think leadership is something that management has, but we might need, and we need some management, but we need leadership in the teams. We need every person to, be, to take initiative in a way that works for them, right? So the way I would take initiative is not necessarily the way anybody else would take initiative, but we need leadership. 
So as an individual contributor, let's say that I'm a member on a, on a scrum team. How can yep. I be a leader? So you see a problem. Right. And you say... Or I caused a problem. Well, okay, maybe we caused a problem. In my case, I caused it. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So maybe you caused a problem. But then you can say, let's, let's make this problem explicit. Right. Let's talk about this problem. Let's get allies, maybe in the team, maybe across the organization. But if you see a problem that needs fixing, don't, don't shove it under the rug. Right. Make it explicit and do something about it. So it's really professionalism, responsibility tied up into that leadership path and, yeah. and just having some ownership. Yeah, I think ownership is a really big idea. Uh, yeah. A lot of us, especially if you started to work during the waterfall era, when waterfall was very strong, you were told to stay in your silo. Right. You were told so it was somebody else's job. Now, some of us, like me... Um, Never really took that telling very well. <laughs> but, and maybe that's a, a significant reason for why I'm a consultant and not an employee. <laughs> but I, I think it's really important to say we have the opportunity to take our bravery, to take our responsibility, to take our initiative, and apply it at work, not just at home. Because we all do it at home. Right. We all do it there. Yeah, be brave, be bold, and, and sometimes be a consultant because brave and bold get you shown the door. But no, it, well, it's all good. It's all important qualities that uh, that pay off in the end. Well, they do pay off, and they pay off at the beginning and in the, in, in the middle, right. not just at the end. So you, everyone has to decide how it fits for them, and that's one of the reasons I really like allies across the organization, whether they're in your team or outside your team. You don't have to do. Uh, you don't have to be a Tan Quixote, right? You can. <laughs> right. You can do this with other people. Yeah, and and it's bringing people along with you. The building of consensus and those things are all powerful activities that help get initiatives through, and and that's all great. So last time we talked, we talked about uh, your your program management book. I think we got a lot of great feedback about the episode. I think uh, a lot of people are interested in that aspect of agile. But we also, I think we hinted at another book that, that I did pick up, started reading, and I, it just blew me away, this um, Diving for Hidden Treasure. It's really about cost of delay. And so this is a concept that I should have known about, I did not know about uh, initially. So at a very high level, could define it. But uh, aside from that, I've never worked in a PMO that focused on it. So when it's not in front of mind, it's kind of off to the side. And <laughs> But uh, as I started reading it, I thought, oh my gosh, People should know this. It explains everything, doesn't it? It really puts a framework around the things that you observe but can't quite pinpoint why things happen. And so wondering if uh, with our remaining time, if you could give just a quick intro to cost of delay. Uh, we'll, we'll talk through some of that real quick and just help people become aware of the topic because I think I don't think my story is unique. I have a feeling that many uh, in a PMO setting or in, an, in a development setting have not really taken the time to really deep dive this very important topic. So I, I first heard about cost of delay back when I was a developer in either 1978 or 1979, and we did not have the words for it then. What my boss explained to me was there's, uh, and I was working on a product. It's the same thing for adoption in IT if you're doing an internal uh, product. But let me talk about a product because we can talk about revenue then. There's... An increase, you start off at zero revenue for a product. And as you release it, 
you get some revenue. It ramps up. And then there's a status quo where sales are pretty steady. And then there's a decrease at the end of life. When you have a cost of delay, when you delay releasing the product for any number of reasons, you delay that introduction revenue. And then you take whatever you delayed, if it's a week, if it's a month, if it's six months, you take the maximum sales from that status quo. And that's how you can calculate cost of delay for the back of a napkin. I really like back of the napkin. Troy McGinnis has all kinds of really interesting real calculations. I am not smart enough to do real calculations, and I find I don't need to. Most of the time people say, oh, we want the revenue from this next month, but if we have multitasking, if we're trying to do this project and that project, we're not going to get the revenue from them for for either of them in the next month. And I have found using the cost of delay like that to talk about what's really important. When do we want the revenue? When do we want the adoption? Right, because it doesn't matter to me if it's revenue or adoption. That all makes the case for we don't want experts, we want collaborative teams, we, don't, I, we especially don't want multitasking because then nothing gets out. Um, there's all kinds of bottlenecks the cost of delay explains. Yeah, it, what I like about it is that it makes the value discussion implicit. You have to focus on value if you're looking at cost of delay. There's no more waving your hands and saying, yes, there's value and moving on. You actually have to sit down, figure out what that is, and figure out what the impact of your decision is on, on realizing that value. And I, and I think it's such a powerful tool that it has actually helped from a, a, even a, a portfolio planning perspective you know, looking at projects in flight and trying to figure out what are we giving up by mm-hmm. multitasking or what are we giving up by this priority structure and what would happen if we switch this up? Could we realize you know, value sooner uh, on some of these projects? And it just leads to, I think, a richer set of conversations, especially at that portfolio level, that you may not have if you're just trying to optimize for cost. Oh, absolutely. If you optimize for cost, you will always do what might be the cheapest thing, but not the highest value thing. So I actually have the second edition of the Project Portfolio book, Manage Your Project Portfolio, Increase Your Capacity and Finish More Projects, um, out uh, June early, right? June 5th or 6th or something. And it's in final layout right now at the Prags. And I have a whole discussion about cost of delay there and why you want to use cost of delay as your primary approach to valuing projects. When I teach my um, product owner class, I use cost of delay for valuing features. Because, and seeing, is there any more value in this roadmap for now, or should we have teams move on to something else? Because it's so, cost of delay answers so many of the questions I used to have about how do we, how do we describe the value of something? Yeah, and that is the, it's the million dollar question in a lot of companies. It's uh, unless they can tie the hard things to it, like, like headcount. Yeah. If you can tie headcount to it, then it's very simple in a traditional organization to talk about the value of a project. Right. But when you have a product uh, and you're trying to, to release it and you're trying to see what that, what that, um, what that value is, cost of delay in my mind is the only way to actually do it with any sort of mathematics or logic or reason behind it. Otherwise, you're guessing. Right. Just very powerful tool. So certainly uh, with the second edition of your 
The project portfolio the pro- book. Yeah. Got it. With the project portfolio book coming <laughs> out, I think that's a great pickup for people, especially because it is uh, cost of delay focus. The the diving for hidden treasure oh, is yeah. a great discussion on this topic. I'm really enjoying it. As I get through it, I might ping you with a few more questions. But um, I hope you do. But it's been a it's it's been very eye opening and just another tool that I think I'll be able to use to get product owners, stakeholders, those paying the bills, to help them. Uh, express value in different terms and in more meaningful terms, I think. Right, right. I think I think it's really important to understand where do we find value and what do what does delay actually cost us, right? So your delay is going to be different than my delay, right? And and that's fine. It does not have to be the same. But we should understand where does it come from and what do we choose to do about it. Exactly, and it. And that's, it's empowering. Like everything else that we do uh, from an agile perspective, we're generating a rich conversation and we can make a, a reasonable decision. And right. I, and with, with information at the right time, at the right moment, or at the last responsible moment, right? So. Well, I like to say at the most responsible moment, because <laughs> sometimes people have student syndrome and they push back the last to past last. So I really like, I like saying the most responsible moment. Fair enough. And for, for procrastinators like me, that's probably safer. So, <laughs> so one other thing I saw uh, out, and I think I saw this in a tweet, that you're doing a writing workshop. I am. So I'm very curious about this because I, every once in a while, I'll get a blog post out and I have aspirations for greater writing endeavors, but I'm not quite there yet. So what, uh, what's going on with the workshop and what kind of things are you going to be teaching? So I taught the first version of this workshop back in February, I think it was. And it's all about how do you make writing a daily habit? You don't have to write a lot, but if you write all the time, first of all, you'll get better. And secondly, you'll have a larger quantity of output. And as somebody who's written now 11 or 12 books, depending on how you want to count them, And I've been blogging since 2003, and I've had my email newsletter since, oh, forever, I think 2004 or something. A long time. Certainly. So I have a particular amount of output I want to have every single month or every single week. And I find that if I think about a book, oh, it's just too big, right? Does this sound like features and projects to you? So I don't think about a book. I think about the little deliveries of value. So I'll be teaching and hopefully people will be practicing deliveries of value, uh, time boxing. How do you actually take something? Because you don't have to understand how an article starts um, or finishes to start it, right? You can start in the middle. You don't have to start at the beginning. Wait, I'm allowed to do that? Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. All right, everyone. Joanna's given us permission to start in the middle. We don't have to start at the beginning anymore. Absolutely not. And I am not a big outliner, but I no. know people who are. Um, I am. I have. I provide a number of ways that you can start articles. So it's three tips, or you have right. a story here, and then here's how the story evolved. And I mean, there's there are. Um, patterns, if you will, of great articles that people really want to read. And then there are patterns of great books. So this writing workshop is all about articles and shorter pieces. Because I think that a book is a different beast. But you can use this 
to actually help you write a book. Excellent. So we'll get in, we'll get information out in the show notes for people if they want to check out any of the books we've talked about, this writing workshop. Is there anything else that we should know about, Joanna, that you have going on? That Because uh, so, clearly you're not busy. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually doing an online practical product owner workshop um, starting at the same time that I start the writing workshop. So the practical product owner workshop meets on Tuesdays and Fridays and the writing workshop meets on Wednesdays. And the idea there is that people, people don't know if they're product managers or they're product owners or they're BAs and they don't have roadmaps and they think that they'll, they can do everything in a backlog and, oh, it's um, messy. Sure. So I would like to help make it a little unmessy. All right, before we go, since uh, we were talking about a writing workshop, I have writer's block. What should I do? Oh, first of all, you're, you don't actually have writer's block. Because do you ever have talking block? <laughs> no, never. Okay. So you're just trying to write the wrong stuff in the wrong way. Okay. And so here's, here is one simple tip. You can, if, if you write for 15 minutes, I don't care if you write blah, 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 but you're not allowed to take your hands off the pen or off the keyboard. I don't care which mode you write in, but you have to write for 15 minutes and you'll get so bored of writing blah, 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 that you'll start writing about either the writing or about the topic. Very good. I think you're right. It's uh, sometimes you just have to, you have to show up and do the work. It's showing up and doing the work, yes. Well, well, Joanna, this was great. Really appreciate you sitting down with us today at The Ohio State University at The Path to Agility Conference. Again, we're live in Columbus, Ohio, uh, talking to Joanna Rothman about her talk, her books, and her workshops. Really looking forward to checking out the the new edition of your books coming out and finishing the Cost of Delay book because uh, I need such education. (laughs) So I really appreciate the books and appreciate you stopping by to, to say hello. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really been fun. Thanks for listening to Agile for Humans. Let's keep the conversation going. Drop us a question on Twitter at Agile for Humans or visit agileforhumans.com. Hey, it's Ryan. If you're enjoying this show and want to take a deeper dive into Scrum with me and Todd, check out agileforhumans.com forward slash training. Be sure to also look at the show notes to subscribe to our newsletter, get a copy of our book, Fixing Your Scrum, and learn more about working with us at Agile for Humans. Thanks for listening and Scrum on.